This is Booch News with Ian Griffin, a podcast all about kombucha. KCON 23, the Kombucha Brewers International Conference, wrapped up on Thursday, April 20th in Long Beach. The next day I was scheduled to drive home to Northern California, but I took advantage of the fact that just 20 miles north in the central Los Angeles town or region of Huntington Park, which is a large warehousing manufacturing district, there is the headquarters and production facilities of Better Booch. Better Booch is a national brand that was started just 12 years ago by Trey Lockerbie and his wife Ashley, and they now occupy three buildings with warehousing, production, and cold storage, from which they distribute across the country. Trey graciously agreed to give me a complete tour of the facility, and we started in the warehouse where they keep their vast number of empty cans ready to be filled with their kombucha. How many thousand square feet have you got then? I think we're at around 17, 18,000 square feet right now, pretty all, all told. And this is your production warehousing facility yes, all so in one? Yes, this is basically the, the stuff we store that's dry or the packaging materials, the raw materials. Um, and then with the third building we have is purely cold storage for the finished product. For the finished product. Yeah. Right. So this is what we call our can city. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because uh, it's... Uh, you get the pallets stacked full of high. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure you're aware, but a lot of people, when I bring them through, they think these are all full of booch. No, these are the sleeves. Yeah, these oh, they're the empty. Yeah, these are just the empty cans. Which will make a little bit more yeah. sense when we go next door and you'll see the, yeah. them being processed. Um, and where do you, I mean, where are they produced? Are you ordering from? These are all domestic. So, um, there's all, there's about three major domestic can suppliers in the U.S. There's yeah. Ball, Crown, and Ardot. Yep. And, um, you know, during COVID, we had to go international because there was a huge aluminum shortage. There was so because the big brewer, brewer, the big yeah. beer brewers snagged them because they weren't exactly. selling draft anymore. Exactly. And so basically, you know, that subsided around 2021 or so and we're back to, to fully domestic, which is So were you cans from the day one, from the get-go? Well, we were not cans from day one. We started the business 11 and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, uh, and we started in bottles, you know, we were always eager to get into cans, so mm-hmm. we, we actually pioneered cans. Um, funny enough, uh, we did the private label at one point for um, Trader Joe's, um, mm. and we pioneered that kombucha in, in a can. That was our first chance to really okay. get out there in a can. Okay. Um, and I think it was a little early for the market, to be honest. I think there was still that stigma around right. cans. Right, bottled and, is yeah. the key thing. And, yeah. and, but as craft beer became more prominent, and the premium mm-hmm. craft beer, I should say, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, in cans, I think the mm-hmm. connection to premium sure. finally resonated with the consumers, yeah. and we felt comfortable. At around 2019, I believe, we went fully into cans. And I've seen on your website, you've got, um, twi- on Instagram, you do quite a thorough explanation of the environmental benefits, the, uh, the well, better for the planet because of recycling. Yeah, the reason I say we were eager is because when we looked at, you know, the Shipping medium, costs. Well, first and foremost, we say cans go where the consumer goes, right? Because mm-hmm. I look at it like a consumer because I was a consumer. And I'm like, well, I can't take my glass bottle to the park or to the beach or to a music concert or, or to pool. a sporting festival, you know, or yeah. a sport uh, event. So it's... It's really inhibiting, and so, and, and usually if you're drinking kombucha, you're probably somewhat health conscious, you're probably fairly active, you mm-hmm. want to be outside doing things, so 
Um, mm-hmm. Cans go where the consumer goes. So we started there. And then, you know, as we looked into it more, we said, oh, actually, it preserves the product better than a glass mm-hmm. bottle. Um, there's a tighter seal. There's no UV. There's all these other reasons. And then we looked at, oh, the carbon footprint is so much lower mm-hmm. because look how many we're shipping on one pallet. This is 6,226 cans on one pallet versus a glass bottle. You probably get a couple hundred. You right. know? So um, because of the weight primarily, right, right? and the fragility mm-hmm. of it. So um, essentially you get a lower carbon footprint. And then to go even further, cans are infinitely recyclable. Right. So a lot of these cans you're looking at, they might be on their 100th lifespan, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Life cycle, mm-hmm. right? Because this aluminum has been constantly reused. And then beyond that, 70% of people uh, recycle. Well, I should say cans are 70% more likely to be recycled yep. than glass bottles. There's usually yep. more infrastructure nearby to yep. get cans recycled than to make glass. And, yeah. Following our visit to the warehouse where the pallets of cans are stored, Trey then walked me next door and took me inside the production facility. Um, both the background noise in there really inhibited audio recording. And I also agreed uh, not to really take photos or describe his specific production methods, uh, confidentiality and just his, you know, unique uh, set up in those uh, fermentation, cooling, and, and canning lines. Suffice it to say, Better Booch is produced as a raw living kombucha and rigorously tested in a dedicated lab by his team of chemists uh, for alcohol levels as well as overall chemistry and taste. Following the factory tour, we sat down in his office where I asked him to really tell me the story about the journey he and his wife Ashley have been on since they started the company. The journey that you took then was from you and your fiancé, Farmer's Market, regional LA, and then Sprouts took you nationwide. Yeah, Sprouts was, I think, our big first big push and then shortly thereafter um you know we were regional with whole foods still are and then walmart took us nationwide um Mm -hmm. and then we've uh we've been expanding rapidly all over the midwest which is which is really exciting for me like we just launched in meyer uh which is over 200 doors and weiss market and lots of fresh time um i'm from the midwest so one of the whereabouts indiana it's very casual out there, yeah. and you know, one of the ideas early on with Better Booch was when the light bulb, if you will, went off for me is when we were drinking our morning. We had brewed our morning glory at home, and which mm-hmm. is just a peach tea kombucha, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it was so good that I was like, "Oh man, everyone I knew would drink this." Because even at the time, I was like, "This is a weird drink, right?" Yeah. Kombucha, like most people I know would be weirded out by this. But then when we tasted it, I was like, oh, everyone I know would drink this because it just tastes so damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't even have to explain to them why they should. Right. You know? <laughs> like that is a, yeah, yeah. So um, for me, seeing uh, Better Bruch now on shelf all across Indiana has been like a really, really cool mm. uh, experience. Um, and that's only happened in the last like six months or so. You get school friends, you kept in touch, and yeah. you said, hey, I saw you in there. Yeah, a lot of Instagram posts now, all right, like cool. tagging me and, and and it's been really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so it's, you know, as far as, it's a hard thing to do to go that big. Uh, and we've done it, I think, pretty strategically and slowly. Um, but it does take a good amount of capital to do it. You know, right. you got to fill lots of free, like even Sprouts, who took us nationwide, I want to say, you know, you're, you're filling one or two cases per store, you know, early on for free. And that's it, a big expense for a small company, right? I feel like there's been three forks in the road with where me and Ash came to that fork in the road and we said, well, are we doing this or not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, like the first one was growing out of our timeshare commercial kitchen in the first six months. Right. We had to sign a lease and the, it was a two year lease on, right. on, a, on our first commercial kitchen and uh, for ourselves. And so that was one of those, are we doing this or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and then signing even on, believe it or not, like when we signed next door, um, here's actually a fun story that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we, that first commercial kitchen we, we rented was advertised to us as a turnkey commercial kitchen. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we got into it and figured it out, um, tried to get our permits, et cetera, everything was done wrong so the wiring was residential not not commercial the plumbing was residential not it was just very um yeah underboard so we we had to basically sink all of our capital into fixing that (laughs) and so when we opened our doors if you will for the first time we were basically dead broke we had no more money so it just became about okay i gotta go sell you know this product hard and um one of the lucky things that we we came across was a coffee brand um, who was also at the farmer's markets back then using a same, the same bottle we were. And, um, they were in a rented commercial kitchen timeshare thing. And so we just got to talking and we said, you guys should just sublease from us. We don't need all the space mm-hmm. and like we can share it. And, um, that turned into a, at least I want to say three year, um, partnership mm-hmm. where, um, even when we found the building next door, they moved with us. And we only needed half of what you saw in there when we first moved in, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we certainly didn't need this warehouse. And even when we, we moved into this warehouse, um, we sublet half of it to the neighbors who do Chinese food okay. packaging. So they rented half of the warehouse. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you know, with the coffee company, at least using the same bottles, we got to share in like, you know, sharing, getting it's better pricing, getting out. Yeah. So there were some synergies there. But I like to say that we would not be here today without that kind of strategic partnership. Early yeah, a fortuitous on. kind of partnership. Yeah, and I, but I also feel like you know not many people seek that out in the world of. And I'm, I'll be straight up, like when we saw the coffee company, you know, on shelf next to ours, there was a little bit of like competitiveness for mm-hmm. you, like you know. But then when we let that go and we said like, hey, how can we, how can we work together here? It mm-hmm. became a much more beautiful thing, and, and right. even a big friendship, and like. And, and, and funny enough too, we were, we called it like the moan zone in the office because when you're starting a early company, everything goes wrong. <laughs> you're just constantly like pulling your hair out mm-hmm. and they had a completely opposite experience that we did and we were both learning from each other. So that brand, for example, took venture capital early on. Oh. They went nationwide with Whole Foods. Oh. They got into Target. Uh, we were... Like I was driving myself literally to every coffee shop, trying to sell in door to door. We built a hundred, you know, independent shops before we ever took on a distributor, for example. Mm-hmm. So we just did the complete opposite, um, and it was just fun to like share and even just bear witness to each other's yeah, experiences. Yeah, like you could see the this is the flip side of what we're doing. Exactly, and and, and there was a lot of like you know collaboration on the on that part too. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that's a that's a large part of the history here in this in this building. Yeah. And then you said three forks. So there was the commercial leased. Then there was the uh, dedicated commercial yeah, so the, Then the, here, right? Yeah. So basically, it was the yeah. It was yeah. I want to say it was basically the um, the the commercial kitchen to the I mean the, the timeshare to the first commercial kitchen, then to this one. So that'd yeah. be two. And I'd say the third one was really um, going nationwide. Yeah. That was the the choice we had yeah. to make. It was sort of a and, and taking outside capital, yeah. right? Because it was sort of a we knew that we knew what was needed to to, grow. to make that change. And it's a big shift to say, okay, this is a this is something we're bootstrapping to something. Hey, we're going to take on shareholders and we're going to be fiduciaries and we're going to need to mm-hmm. you know grow something and make a return and you know right. and be a little bit more aggressive. Right. And um, so that was a big choice to make. Right. And, uh, so I, I've got a kind of a basic question. If I'm in Indiana and I buy a can of, of Better Booch. Yeah. How has it got from here to there? I mean, it, is the distributor coming to your loading dock yep. with a refrigerated truck? Yep. Is it is it truck then across to... Yeah. So it's basically delivered by truck to wherever the 100%. final destination is. Yeah, I was going to say, I, um, I, don't, I don't have time now, but, no. there's, but there's a, you know, if you if we took you to the third building, you no, see okay. it's just a refrigerator with docks. So like okay. a truck show up there and we... On the pallet, you put them on. Yeah, and so with distributors... Um, and obviously there's two broad line majors, uh, you know, distributors in the natural channel like KD and Unify. Okay. And, um, you can choose to have them for the, most of the time, it depends, I guess, where you are, but here in LA, we can choose to have them pick up the product. Um, and usually it's at a lower price or we ship them the product and we charge them what's called a delivered price. Okay. So, um, we'll just tack on our freight cost to that yeah, and sure. we'll ship it to them. So, um, most of the time we, we opt to pick up, but it just depends on where it's going and sometimes yeah. it makes sense to actually do the delivery yeah. ourselves. Yeah. And when you're at this scale, is there like uh, bottlenecks or fallow? I mean, it's somewhat seasonal, like yeah. in certain parts of the country, uh, demand must fluctuate by this, you know, in the summer people want to go out to the beach. Yeah. Want... I'd say there's that, the general, seasonality of, of making a cold beverage yeah. because when it's cold it's not you know you don't resort to that you resort right. to a hot beverage and so what we're trying to do um, I, I would say this is inherent in kombucha but also what we're trying to get out there more is the immunity you know focus sure. of kombucha through sure. those cold seasons because right. um, we do see a bit of a bell curve but it's not very dramatic it's, mm-hmm. it's like you know 5-10% of a dip it's not it's not mm-hmm. anything crazy but um yeah, I think that that's the, you know, we definitely saw here in LA, even in Q1, a slower start to the year than we were expecting because it was a cold, cold winter. Yeah, it was California. Like, it was like basically cold and raining for three months. And yeah. so that affected, I think, everybody. Yeah. Um, and then I, I don't want to keep you longer, but no, no. one quick question I've got is going back to 20, to the beginning of the pandemic. Did, did COVID put a dent in anything or? Oh my God. So, I mean, in a way, kombucha thrived, didn't it? It did. Because people were looking for immunity. They were looking for immunity. Yeah. I, I feel like kombucha even could have done a better job at that point to, Promoting. to promote that. Yeah. You know, you saw a lot of these juice shots come out and just start naming their stuff immunity yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yes, we did fine. It was, uh, we actually grew, I think, 100% that year. So yeah. we, did, we did quite well. But the early, I mean, the panic of those first couple of weeks of are we going to be a, um, what do they call it? Like a qualified vendor or something. Okay. Uh, um, it was almost like, no, it was something more dramatic than that. It was like a necessary vendor or something. I can't remember the, the word, but 
um, because we supplied to grocery stores, we were considered mm-hmm. one of those vendors and okay. got to stay in business. I mean, that was, that was a very scary thing. And then in the early days, we, we, we had, you know, supply chain shortages. We had the aluminum shortage. Yeah. We had, but the worst thing was actually because there was so much misinformation or just lack of information, you know, it, we would, we would have someone on our production line, for example, be like, well, my sister's boyfriend's uncle got was near somebody who had it. Do I need, and should so, I stay out of work? Yeah, and then it's like, well, we've all been next to you. And yeah. so like, you know, we'd go weeks, like sometimes we'd have to shut down for a week. Just, just of no the, teach, no, um, no staff, no, no, no Yeah, like sometimes it would be, you know, a whole week of like, well, we're shutting down, but no one here actually has it. We're just, you know, it's just yeah, the yeah. fear of having it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in those early days, those were really rough periods to get through, but, you know, yeah, yeah. somehow we got through it. And Yeah, great. Yeah. Is that you and Warren Buffett? Maybe? It is me and Warren Buffett. <laughs> wow. Actually. Were you at his uh, Omaha, whatever they call yeah, it, uh, convention? The, yeah. So I actually got to have dinner with him oh, wow. um, about eight years ago. And so I actually... Um, so I was telling him about our tea business, and he was like, "Well, call me when you're competing with Coca-Cola." So I was like, All right, I <laughs> don't will. bother me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, but after I met him, I just became very curious. I, I had such an amazing. I didn't know a ton about him when I met him, but but after a three-hour dinner, I was like, I want to know everything about this guy. Yeah. And so, as you see, I've read all, all these business books now about right. a lot about him, yeah. and that actually led me to become. Um, I was a, a co-host of this podcast. Um, we studied that, and I'm not familiar with that. And that was basically built on the Buffett philosophies. And um, Okay. I, so every week I get to... Because he's famous for drinking a dozen cherry Cokes today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not that, I wouldn't say he has the healthiest diet. No, but, um, but, but if you look at the principles behind Berkshire Hathaway, it's like the best, I mean, core values of any company I've ever found. Yeah, yeah. I've read yeah. some of his philosophy. I mean, he, apparently he owns um, Mrs. C's Candies or something oh, yeah. because he believes... Something rock well, this, bottom to the this, American way of life. And this here, I would say, this is his shareholder letters from... 2065. Yeah, there's an updated version now, I'm sure. But yeah. um, his letter to shareholders, this is better. I mean, I don't have an MBA, but I've heard... It's better than an MBA. I mean, well, you've probably earned equivalent yeah. of five MBAs <laughs> running your well, business like this. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.